Hello everyone, welcome to my series on end times for dummies. But before I get into that this evening, I want to just remind everyone that this Sunday, May 31st, will be our first service back in our building since the social distancing was, was uh, enacted. So I just want to encourage everybody to uh, be there this Sunday. Uh, but before you come, uh, I would encourage you to go to our website at summitchurch.us. And we have uh, listed there some things that uh, you can expect before coming this Sunday. And so I highly, highly recommend that everyone go to our website, summitchurch.us. And it's about a page long. Read through that because we have some very important information there. And it'll give you some instructions and things and and just some things to, to expect this Sunday. So go there and read that, and it'll be helpful to you. But looking forward to seeing you all this Sunday at Summit Church in our building, 10 o'clock. I've missed everybody, and I am looking forward to it. So, hey, let's get into the, to the subject matter for this evening, of course, uh, talking about end times for dummies. This is my last session in this series uh, this evening. Next uh, Wednesday, I'll pick up with a new subject. But remember, when I said end times for dummies, it didn't imply that anyone's a dummy. It's just taking someone with little to no knowledge of the end times and give them a working knowledge of it. So I trust you've been enjoying this series. If you've missed any of the sessions, you can go to our Facebook page or our YouTube page at Summit Church Fenton or on our website at summitchurch.us and get caught up. And I'd recommend that, that you do that before you would even listen to this session because it'll, it, this end times uh, material is, con is confusing enough if you get it from the beginning all the way through. But if you come in in the middle on, on a session, you don't hardly have a chance at all. So I uh, would recommend you go listen to those previous sessions before you listen to this. Okay. Now, um, last time... I was looking at, we concluded last time with characteristics of the millennium. That's the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I got through, I believe, nine points, nine different characteristics. Now, there may be, there's more than nine. There's more, well, I'm going to have 11 when I get finished. There's more than that. I'm confident in that. But I'm just giving you the, again, we're just highlighting in this series. I, uh, we're using, the, as you know, the book of Revelation. I have not covered it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but just highlighting the mountain peaks. So there's other characteristics to the millennium than what I've given you, but the major ones, I've tried to get them in. And so I just want to pick up right here with number 10, point number 10, gave you the first nine points that I had last time, but point 10, the born again during the millennium, and I will say this, remember during the millennium, there will be natural people living upon the earth, just like we are now in bodies like we have right now. But remember, you and I, people who live in this time, you know, um, prior to the rapture and, and all of that, we've covered all of that material, you and I will have glorified bodies. You know, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ prior to the millennium will we'll enter into the millennium with glorified bodies, like the body Jesus had when he got raised from the dead. But remember, we talked about the judgment of the nations last time, and, and the millennium will start out with uh, multitudes of people who made it through the tribulation and are still here after the Battle of Armageddon, which we talked about last time, and they will be in natural bodies like we have now, and babies will being born, will you know they'll be being birthed and so forth, and that will be going on for a thousand years. And you know you can have a lot of babies born in a thousand year time. And you need to remember that when the millennium starts, all the natural people on the earth will be believers. They will be saved. Okay, but over a thousand years, many people will be born that that won't be saved as they grow up, so forth and so on, and become adults, they will not have a heart following the Lord. Now, you need to remember that people, and I brought this out last time, natural people will have to follow uh, Jesus's uh, moral 
code, if you would, will, or the, the laws of the land, and he'll be ruling with a rod of iron. Uh, you, you and I, as born-again believers and glorified bodies, will be serving as his uh, overseers, as Jesus's overseers, and so forth during the millennium. But uh, the natural people will have to follow the word of God. If they don't, the book of Isaiah says they'll be put to death and their spirits will go to hell awaiting the great white throne judgment, which we'll talk about here in a few moments. But here's the thing. We're going to talk about this. God will never make anyone worship him. Now, the devil tries to make people worship him, but God will never make anyone worship him. So during the millennium, people will have to follow Jesus's, uh, uh, you know, natural laws and things. They won't be able to rebel or they'll be put to death, but he never will make anyone come worship him. Now, with that being said, let's look at Zechariah. Now, this is an Old Testament prophet, Zechariah chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 16 and 17 out of the New International Version, the NIV, and here's what it says. Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem, those people who survived the tribulation and survived the battle of Armageddon, uh, this is during the, during the millennium now, then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. That was a feast mentioned in the Old Testament that we will be reinstituted. Now listen to this, verse 17. If any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship. See, God doesn't make people worship him. That will be of their free choice. Everything else, he's, Jesus will be running with a rod of iron. But as to going up to Jerusalem to worship him, that will be up to people's own, own choice. And here the Bible says, if any of the people of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord Almighty, that's Jesus. Now it says right here, they will have no rain. So it will cost them something. They'll have no rain. Uh, but there's something else that's going to happen here in a few moments. And, 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 but I want to say this, because people have asked me this over the years. Uh, during the millennium, will natural people get sick? and die? And the answer to that is, uh, let me just read from my notes here, the born-again people, because remember, there will be evangelists going out. We talked about this in a previous session. Evangelists will be going out during this time, uh, evangelizing missionaries and spreading the gospel, and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. But people want to know, they ask me, will, will people be getting sick during the millennium? Well, let, let me read from my notes. The born again won't get sick or die because when they come up to worship the Lord, they will partake of the tree near God's throne with healing virtues. Let me just read that. That's Revelation 22, verse 2. It says, in the midst of the street of it, talking about up where the throne of God is, on either side of the, uh, of the river, this is up in, in Jerusalem, there, were, there was a tree of life which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded their fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree, notice this, were for the healing of the nations. So people that go up there, uh, well, people that don't go up there won't have rain. And I suppose people that don't go up there, they get sick. They, they, they would die if their heart's not right with the Lord. They, they would go to hell. But people that go up there, as far as sickness and disease is concerned, they, they eat of the fruit of that tree. It's for the healing of the nation. So I think that's an interesting point. It pays to go, pays to go worship the Lord, I'll tell you that. Uh, you get rain during that time, and uh, you stay well. Now, it's, uh, it, it's interesting. And uh, something else you need to realize that when people go up to the throne of God during the millennium to worship Jesus, talking about natural people, right? Now, of course, you and I as glorified saints will we'll be worshiping him, obviously, but we're talking now about the natural people on the earth during the millennium. 
I, I want to read this to you out, out of Isaiah 66. It's verses 23 and 24. I'm going to use the living Bible. Here's what it says. Mankind shall come up to worship me. Jesus is speaking here. This is the Lord talking. From week to week and month to month, they shall go out. Now, listen to this. They shall go out and look at the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. Now, when it says dead bodies here, it's talking about spiritually dead bodies. These are people who rejected the Lord. They're in spiritual bodies, but they're still dead in their trespasses and sins because they didn't receive Jesus. And so when it says dead bodies here, you know, people think, well, their bodies are like you'd see somebody in a funeral home, you know, laying in a casket. No, this is talking about spiritually dead. They're, they, they've got spiritual bodies, like glorified bodies, spiritual bodies, but they're still dead in their trespasses and sins. But listen to this. Uh, mankind shall come up to worship me from week to week, week to week, month to month. They shall go out and look at the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me, for their worms shall never die. Now, what's happening here is when they go, when you go up to worship, the, when natural people during the millennium go up to worship the Lord, apparently, well, there's no apparently about it. There, there's going to be a way for people to look into hell. And when they look in there, they're going to get to see people suffering in hell. And it says, for their worms shall never die. And that's one of the characteristics of hell, as you study into hell, that apparently worms eat people's bodies. And the worms never die. Think about that. Think about that. Uh, now, there's some other things I, I could say to you about that word worm. Uh, some teach that it's it's the eternal soul or the eternal spirit of of a, of a person. Uh, uh, it, it it could mean that, but uh, it it as far as from my study of it, it's talking about worms that'll be eating people's bodies in hell. I mean, that's a reason to get saved right there. And <laughs> I mean, the fire's bad in hell. And, and it's a place, you know, somebody think said one time, well, they want to go to hell and be with their buddies and, and have drinking parties. Well, the Bible calls hell a waterless pit. There's no alcohol in hell. There's no water in hell. And you're alone in hell. You're cut off from the presence of God. You're cut off from, from people. Although when I say that, I, I, I think I better restate that. I said you're alone in hell, but actually, let, let me restate that. The Lord just Check me on the inside there. You know, you know when you, when people go to prison, one of the worst things about going to prison, among many other things, here, I'm talking about here when people get sentenced to prison, the federal penitentiary. One of the worst things about that is is the people you have to be around when you're in there, and all the gruesome, terrible things that 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 the other inmates do to do to. Due, due to one another. So I, I believe it's going to be that same way in hell. I guess there's places of hell where people are in, locked away, away from people. But but I, I think in hell, my gosh, that might be one of the worst things of it is, is the company that's going to be there. Think about that. And then worms and fire and darkness. And it's a bad place. I mean, don't go there. Repent of your sins and receive Jesus, okay? But anyway, here, let's get back to the point. During the millennium, people that go up to worship the Lord are going to be able to look in into hell, and they're going to, to see where, where the suffering, and it says where their worm does not die, the fire shall not be quenched, and there'll be a disgusting sight to all mankind. So people that go up to worship the Lord are going to be able to see that. What a motivation to keep coming up to worship the Lord. Also, Isaiah 14, 16 says that that. When you're, when people go up to worship the Lord and look at, look in in into the the suffering, apparently now the the devil's locked into the bottomless pit for the uh, millennium. But Isaiah fourteen sixteen says, and I'll put it in my own words that apparently they're going to be able to look in and see the devil in the bottomless pit. And when we see him, what the Bible says. Is is we're gonna say is that the man? Is that the one? Is that the, is that the little moron that caused all the trouble in the world? 
You see, the devil paints himself up to be some kind of, you know, like on the Wizard of Oz, you know, that that when they weren't when Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the let's see, Tin Man, Scarecrow and the Lion and Toto, don't forget Toto, went in to see, you remember, see the wizard, that fire, a face of fire. See, the devil paints himself as that. But the devil's really the little man behind the curtain. Now, don't misunderstand me. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you don't want to fool with the devil. But if you know who you are in Christ, the devil's under your feet and he and 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 you've got complete and total victory over him. OK, but that having been said, when we finally do get to see the devil, we're going to say, is that the man? Is that the little creep, the little moron that's caused all the trouble in the world? That's what the Bible says in Isaiah 14, 16. Now, I I flowered that up just a little bit, but that's I hate the devil. And he is a creep. He's I don't have I have no use for him. And uh, he creeps around trying to destroy people's lives. But be, be that as it may, Isaiah 14, 16 says that when we finally get to see him, we're going to say, is that the one? Is that the man that caused all the trouble? Now, he's not a man, but is that the let's say it this way. Is that the one that's caused all all cause? I'll get it right. Caused all the trouble. All right. So here's the point. People during the millennium are going to be able to go up and see the sufferings of, of the lost, okay? Now, it's very important, and, and, and notice this. At the end of the millennium, the devil is going to be loosed from the bottomless pit for a short time. Now, people ask me, why is he going to be released? Well, he's going to be released to give people an ultimate choice. All the people in during the millennium that have been born, remember the millennium started out with saved people, but you get a lot of people born in a thousand years. They grow to be adults. They grow to be adults. Remember, you'll be called a child when you're 100 years old. We covered that last year during the millennium. And uh, they'll have to follow Jesus' natural law, but they'll not have to worship the Lord and, and all of that. And, and they're gonna, the devil's going to be released to give people a choice. That's why the devil was allowed in the, into the Garden of Eden. And, and, and the serpent cooperated with the devil, and the devil somehow used the serpent, uh, you, you know, and, and to get, why? to give man a choice. God doesn't want people to follow him because they have to. He wants people to follow him because they want to. They have to be given a choice. One of the greatest things God ever did for mankind is give him a choice. I choose to love Jesus and follow him and serve him, see? But the people during the millennium, they, they, it's whether they, they, they have to follow the natural law, but they don't have to follow the Lord in their heart. And so the devil's going to be loosed for a little season and to give people an ultimate choice. Do they want to serve the devil or, or the Lord? Now watch this, Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. I'm going to read from the, from the King James Version, Revelation 27. And when the thousand years are expired, so this is at the end of the, the millennium, Satan will be loosed out of his prison, out of that bottomless pit, pit. And he'll go out to deceive, watch this, to deceive, that's what he does, to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, and uh, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Think about that. During the millennium, the, the devil's locked away. He's going to be released for a little while at the end of the millennium. I already told you why. But here's the thing that strikes me. Look at how many people follow him. So many, you can't even number them as the sand of the sea. Now, people have asked me, why do all these people follow the devil? And, and here's the thing. They didn't go up to worship the Lord. I mean, so you know they've got a, their heart's not toward the Lord. But since they didn't go up to worship the Lord, okay, now watch this. Sure, they didn't get to see the torments of the lost. They didn't get to see that but they didn't go up to worship the Lord. And so they're deceived. The devil deceives them. And then it goes on to say here, and they went up on the breath of the earth and compassed the camp, compassed the, uh, the camp of the saints about the, beloved, about the beloved city, Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now think about that. They didn't go up to worship 
And here's my, here, I said all that to really to get to this. They didn't go up to worship and they were deceived. When you don't worship the Lord, you set yourself up for deception. Now that happens during the millennium. They didn't go up to worship the Lord. They set themselves up for deception, but we can learn a lesson for us in the here and the now. If we refuse to go to the church that God tells us to go to on a weekly basis, and we refuse to do that, we refuse to go worship the Lord on a weekly basis. Now, I'm talking now in the here and the now, we set ourselves up to be deceived. And that's what, you ought to think about that. That's why you need to find where God wants you to go to church and be there regularly to worship the Lord and to hear the word of God and uh, on a regular basis, okay? And uh, very important, because if you don't, you set yourself up to be deceived, and we see that happens during the millennium. And all the people, they, they, they join with the devil, and they come against God, but the Lord doesn't put up with it, and fire comes down, consumes them, and they're, they're consumed, and into hell they go. Think about that. In verse 10 here, Revelation 20, verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. Notice they've been burning there for a thousand years, the, the Antichrist and his false prophet. See, hell's eternal. Hell is eternal. And they're still burning there, and, and, and uh, they're going to burn there for eternity. Now, they're not there yet because we're talking about a future time. But when this time comes, they'll, they'll go into the lake of fire at the beginning of the, the millennium, and they'll burn there forever and ever. And the, the, the devil will be locked away in the bottomless pit during the millennium, and then he's released for a short season, deceives all those people we just talked about, and then he's cast in. Thank God he's finally shut up for eternity. He goes into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are, and they'll be tormented day and night forever and forever. Think about it. You don't want to go there because who wants to? I don't want to be I Think about people in hell. They're going to have to be around the devil for eternity. Terrible, terrible. I mean, like I started to say a while ago, and I want to say it again. You know, people say, well, I'm going to go, go to hell, go with my drinking buddies. We'll just have a good old time in hell. No, it's, it's, it, you know, it is a place of torment, place of fire, place of worms, place of snakes, place of terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. Am I trying to scare you? Well, absolutely. Any way to keep you from going to that place. It's a terrible place. It ought to scare people. Okay. And uh, you win people to the Lord with the goodness of God. But the Bible also says that some people can't be one with the goodness of God, one to the Lord, so you hold hell up in front of them. Any way to keep you out of hell, receive Jesus, okay? It's a terrible place. But anyway, that's what's going to happen to the devil. And like the one preacher said, I like it. When the devil comes around telling you about getting on you about your past and bringing your past up, you, well, you just remind him about his future and where he's going to spend it in the lake of fire. And he'll, he'll leave you alone. You start talking about that. Now, notice here. Now, here's what happens. Revelation chapter 20. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ in an earlier session. That's the judgment for uh, believers. Uh, now, this is the judgment for sinners. All those from the time of the Garden of Eden all the way down to the to the end of the end of the millennium this is the ultimate judgment for sinners those who rejected Jesus Christ okay old testament new testament okay all that you got saved in the old testament the same way you get saved in the new through faith in the lord jesus christ okay all right now notice this judgment now is for all those who've rejected jesus over the eons the millennia of of time okay now watch this, over seven millennia, 7,000 years. John says, Revelation 20, 11, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God. And the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things were written, which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead, which were in it. 
See, they, they said, I don't, I'm standing on my own works. I don't need Jesus. And it's a dangerous thing to stand on your own works before God as it pertains to salvation. And, uh, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. See, this is when hell is all the spirits of the people that are in hell at this time. They're going to come out of hell and, and, and they're going to somehow, in my opinion, get, get reunited back up with their physical body. It'll be a spiritual body. They're, in my opinion, some would debate me on that. But they're, nonetheless, they're going to stand before this great white throne of, of, of God. They're going to be judged according to their own works because they rejected the work of Jesus Christ. And, and so, so hell will be, uh, hell, 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 as we know it now, that, that place is going to be emptied out. All those spirits are going to come out of there and stand before the great white throne of God. And uh, they'll be judged according to their works. And then here, notice this, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. These people, then uh, they'll be weighed in the balance and found wanting, uh, and, and they'll be uh, cast into the lake of fire, which is far worse than where they've been in hell. Think about that. I want to tell you something else. God never created hell for man. He created it for the devil and his angels, the angels that followed the devil followed Lucifer. It wasn't created for man, but if man rejects Jesus, there's nowhere else for man to go, okay? It's just as simple as that. Well, how could a loving God let somebody to go to hell? It's not God's decision. He gave that decision to you and me. And all we have to do to miss it is repent of our sins and say, Jesus, come into my heart and mean it. And that fast, you miss eternity in hell and make eternity with God. He made it pretty easy for us, didn't he? I'm a little stirred up. up. That's good, though, isn't it? And, and anyway, death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. That's what the Bible calls the lake of fire. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So you need to get your name in that book of life. How do you do it? Repent of your sins. Ask Jesus into your heart. Receive him. Call on the name of the Lord. And that's it. Now. After this happens, now here, Revelation 21, let's go ahead and conclude this up. Revelation 21, John says, verse 1, I'm going to read some good old King James Version for you here. And I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Wow. Now, when it says new here, it doesn't mean new as though as never existing before, what's going to happen, this word new means renovate, just like you'd buy an old house and renovate it. Well, that's what's going to happen to this earth and the atmosphere around it. It's going to be renovated by fire. We'll see that here in just a moment. And it's going to be be new, just like an old house. It'd be, you call it new after it's renovated. Well, it's not new in that it's never been there. It's just got renovated. And, uh, and, and in fact, in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, listen to this. But the, the, the day of the Lord, that's a millennium, will come as a thief in the night, in which or in, at the conclusion of which is what the Greek is really saying there. At the conclusion of which is at the end of the millennium, the great white throne judgment. And then watch what happens. The heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. That's talking about the atmosphere. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. God's going to renovate this. Why? Because he's got to burn out all the sin. Think about it. Think about all the sinful things that are here. All of it's going to be burned burned out and burned up. Somebody said, do I believe in global warming? Well, look, I believe in global melting. I mean, that's this is 2 Peter 3, verse 10. And uh, the earth and all of it is going to be burned up. People ask me sometimes, where are we going to be while this is taking place? Well, I believe we'll be with the Lord in heaven while this is is taking place, okay? And verse 12 goes on to say here in 2 Peter 3, the heavens will be dissolved, that's the atmosphere around the earth, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Think about that. He's going to renovate this. And when he gets done, it's going to look like it did in the Garden of Eden before man's sin. Think about that. You think the earth is pretty now. There's some places on earth that I've been some, I mean, beautiful, pretty, just beautiful place, beautiful things. I saw, I saw some places that aren't so, so pretty, but uh, think about uh, 
think about the prettiest paradise you could ever see, you know, like Hawaii or someplace like that, and then ramp that up, you know, to warp nine. And <laughs> I tell you what, it's going to be, you think the earth's pretty, pretty now, beautiful. And, uh, but that he's going to do that with fire. All right. Now that back in Revelation 21, verse two, and I, John, saw the holy city. Now watch this. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. God's moving because he's moving to earth. Think about that. God. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Think about that. God is moving his throne. To earth. Wow. And, uh, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they'll be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Think about that. And God, see, we're getting ready here. This is now the millennium's over and all that, the great white throne judgment, all that. Now we're moving out into eternity, moving out into eternity here. And God's moving his throne and, and the heavenly Jerusalem down here to earth. Some say it's going to come actually down onto the earth. Some say it's going to hover above the earth. I don't know. But God's coming to live with his man. Think about that. With, with, with you and me, creation, with his creation. Wow. And verse 4 here, Revelation 21, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. People have asked me, you know, they say, well, what about, you know, things that have happened in our lives? And, um, you know, that would cause us grief for eternity or people that we love that didn't receive the Lord. And won't we be grieved? They'll say, Pastor Terry, won't we be grieved over that for all eternity? Well, I think here's the answer. God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. I don't know that maybe somehow that'll be blocked from our from our memory. I, and there'll be no more death. Well, that'll be fun. No more no more funeral homes. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. You remember, death is an enemy of God. Death is an enemy. For the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And I want to say this, that as we move out into eternity, at this point, I I believe there will be no more natural people on the earth, natural bodies. All All of us will all be glorified. At this time, glorified bodies, bodies that that cannot die. Okay, which would have happened to Adam and Eve if they wouldn't have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If they'd have eaten of the tree of life, they would have got the glorified bodies right there then and so forth. But, well, they made the wrong choice, didn't they? And he's going to make all things new. Verse nine. And there, and there came unto me, John, one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. We talked about there, that earlier and talked with me saying, come hither, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me uh, the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from, from God. Verse 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Think about that big oysters, man. I tell you what. That was supposed to be a joke. Twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, and uh, a lot of gold in heaven. And it was trans- like transparent glass. Now, they don't use asphalt up there, cement. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are uh, are the are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is its light thereof. Now I don't know how all that's going to work, but no, I mean, the, I mean, God is light, and He's going to light the place, and His kind of light doesn't produce shadows. There's no shadows there. Think about that. Wow, uh, man, alive. I mean, heaven's a beautiful. Take it. I mean, just take it from me from my study of the Word of God. I, Heaven is a great place, and it's coming to earth on the new heaven and the new the new earth renovated, the atmosphere around it renovated, and God's moving his, his throne down here, and he's going to light this place up. We won't have the sun as we know it or the moon or any of that. He's going to, his glory is going to light the place. And, and, and uh, I believe as we read on, I don't know if I've included, no night. I mean, Cool stuff, all right? 
and, uh, and, and, and so forth and so on. Verse 24, and the nations of them which are saved will walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Wow. I, I just get stirred up when I talk about, about these things. Revelation 21, verse 25, its gates shall not shut at all by day. Here it is. There'll be no night there. So we won't need to sleep. Glorified bodies. Wow. And they'll bring their glory and honor of the nations into it. Now watch this. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. You get in there by receiving Jesus. Now look at Revelation 22, verse 3. And there'll be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb, that's Jesus, shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. Oh, my, look and see the face of Jesus. And his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. Think about that. They shall reign forever and ever. And then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must start, which, reading too fast here, things which must shortly take place. And then Jesus says, behold, I'm coming quickly. Now, remember, one day is as a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years is one day. So he doesn't reckon time like we do. So to him, it's quick. I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now look at Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, remember, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But as Christians, as believers, we are rewarded for our works. And we talked about that when we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 13, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, God's commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may enter through the gates into the city. Wow. But that's the same tree Adam and Eve should have eaten of, okay? But they didn't. Now watch this, verse 15, Revelation 22. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral. Now outside are dogs. That means people that didn't have a covenant with God. And sorcerers, you know what that is, uh, witchcraft and so forth. And the sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Don't lie. Somebody said, well, I just tell uh I, I tell half-truths. Well, a half-truth is equal to a whole lie. So right here, the Bible says whoever loves and, and practices a lie doesn't get into this city. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel, and in fact, all the lost people will be in the lake of fire at this point. I, Jesus, verse 16, have sent my angel to testify to you, to John, these things in the churches. Remember those seven churches? And in chapters 2 and 3, I am the root and the offspring of David. You know, Jesus Jesus was born of the virgin. But of course, according to the flesh, he was a, a descendant of King David. The bright morning star, star and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take to the water of life freely. See, that's how, I mean, that's that's just wonderful, isn't it? Now watch verse 18. We're almost done here. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. That's why I handle this subject very carefully. And I just, I just, before God, if I've, if I've added anything to or taken anything away, I, I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, teaching on the end times in the book of Revelation is a challenging thing. And I told you when we first started that, you know, I, I'm going to do the best I can and, and I'm not being dogmatic on a lot of it. I'm giving you the best that I know from my years of study, uh, and, and I ask God to forgive me if I've added anything to or taken anything away. Okay, you got to handle this book and the whole Bible, frankly, as a, as a minister of the gospel or anyone. 
You need to handle it very, very cautiously and, 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 and delicately with great honor and respect because you see what happens if you don't. Verse 20, he who testifies of these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, Lord Jesus, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And that's what I say, come, Lord Jesus. The sooner the better. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And that's what he leaves us with right at the last verse in the Bible. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, I tell you what, I hope you got something out of this, but I just, before I close, I mean, not only just out of, out of this tonight, but this whole series, but before I close, I just felt impressed of the Lord to close with, with, with something here that, you know, on Sundays, I've been talking about the judgment of God. And in the book of Revelation, we saw a lot of the judgment of God, but I want to leave you with something. And I could have included this in my Wednesday, uh, I'm sorry, in my Sunday series, but it fits here too. I want to leave you with something so that you see how good God is, okay? And it's in Genesis chapter 20, there was this king named Abimelech. He was a Philistine king. Now, Philistines were enemies of God, okay? And, uh, And remember Abraham and Sarah, and they were husband and wife, but they were also uh, brother and sister, they had the same father, different mothers, okay? So that's just the way that it was. And she was very appealing. She was very beautiful. And so when they would travel around, uh, they, she would tell people that, uh, that, that she was Abraham's sister, which technically was true, but they did that so that uh, they wouldn't kill Abraham and, and, and uh, you know, uh, if if they knew they were, if a, a king or whatever knew that they were husband and wife, they might knock Abraham off because she was so beautiful and take Sarah. So, you know, they didn't want him, Abraham to be, to be knocked off, you know, killed or whatever. So they said, rather than, you know, she's my wife, they said, well, she's my sister. Okay. And so they did that to, to keep Abraham from a king saying, I want Sarah. Oh, she's married to Abraham, so we got to kill Abraham so I can take her into my harem. So, so anyway, that's what, what had happened here. And notice in Genesis 20, verse 1, Abraham journeyed uh, from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. And now Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she's my sister. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. See, so he took her into his harem. Now watch, I said all that to get to this. We've been talking about, you know, the judgments of God and this and that. I want you to see how good God is. I've been stressing that all along, but this, this, this sums it up, I think. As good as any story in the Bible. So, so he comes and uh, Abimelech, this Philistine king, he comes and, and takes Sarah into his harem. Didn't kill Abraham because he thought that they were just brother and sister. Now watch this, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister, and she even... Uh, she herself said, he is my brother in the integrity of my heart. Notice, this is this, this Philistine king talking to the Lord. The Lord came to him in a dream. And, uh, and, and he says this to the Lord, in the integrity of my heart. See, God looks at the heart. And innocent of my hands, I've done this thing. And God said to him in this dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Look at that. Look how good God is. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he'll pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. 
And then the Bible says that Abimelech got up early the next morning after that dream and he repented and he went and he made the thing right. He returned Sarah back to Abraham and all of that. But look at how good God is. He didn't just come in there and and drill Abimelech down and bring judgment on him. Abimelech did something in the integrity of his heart heart and, and all of that. And God saw that. You need to remember God saw that. And God warned him. Remember before judgment in that other series that I'm doing on Sundays, I brought this out again and again. Before God judges, he always brings warning. And look at this heathen Philistine king. You know what a heathen, without God, heathen Philistine king. And and he was going to die. God said, you're a dead man. But he warned him in that dream. And he said, let Sarah go. And and on top of that, God moved and intervened in some way here to keep Abimelech from having sexual relations with Sarah and warned Abimelech. And Abimelech got the message, and he, you could read the rest of the story, he, he repented. See, God's a good God. He wanted good for Abimelech. And he warned him in a dream and even did some, something to restrain him, to keep him from, to, you know, uh, rearrange the circumstance or something. I mean, God won't violate our natural wills, our, you know, our wills, what I'm trying to say that he gives us, our free will. He won't violate that. But he did something here to, to, to on Abimelech's behalf to keep him from doing something that would have caused him to be for sure a dead man. Now, you think about that. God warned and went out of his way. God went out of his way. to be a God went out of his way to be a blessing to this guy. Now, that is a good God. That is a good God. That is who God is. Father, Son, the Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit. That is who he is. That is how he operates. It's just sad that people, so many, multitudes, multitudes as the sand of the sea, we said earlier in this session, don't, won't repent like Abimelech did. Sad, isn't it? But God gives everybody a choice, an opportunity, and... Uh, you know, people say, well, what about people who haven't heard the gospel? Listen, if you had about three or four hours, I could talk to you about that. God, the judge of this earth, does right. And believe me, he and He gives people an opportunity and he gets the message through to them, I assure you. And read Romans, the first chapter, sometime and you can see that. What about people who have never heard? Well, I don't have four hours to tell you, but I'll tell you this. God gets his message to people, okay? All right? And he went out of his way to help Abimelech. That's how good God is. Wow, what a good story to end, really, not only this series, but the one I'm doing on Sunday, I did on Sunday. That's how good God is. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and then the last thing, 2 Peter 3, 9, close with this. The Lord is not slack, concerning his promise. As people, you know, you read up in that chapter there, scoffers, when's the Lord coming? When's the Lord coming? Well, the reason he hasn't come back yet, much we could say, but one thing we could say is he's long suffering, not willing that any should perish. He wants as many people to get saved as possibly can before he winds this thing up. Okay. But here in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but he is long, here it is, he is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's who God is, and that's what he's all about. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What a good way, I think, to end this series on end times for dummies. 
And uh, what am I? I got my two series messed up here. What am I talking about tonight? Well, I was talking on Sundays about end times for dummies. No way. I'll get it right. Wednesdays, end times for dummies. Sundays, who did it? God or the devil? Talking about the judgment of God. But either both series, this is a good way to end it right here. Telling you about Abimelech, showing you how good God is and, and saying, hey, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hey, I'm a little stirred up tonight. I guess I'm just looking forward to seeing everybody on Sunday. Presence of God. I'm excited about the presence of God, the joy of the Lord. And uh, you know, when you know Jesus, uh, you know He'll keep you stirred up. Uh, praise God. Glory to God. I feel like I could get up, run around my desk here. I'm just excited about Jesus. Okay. Hey, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to teach. Uh, this series on end times for dummies and the one I did Sunday morning on uh, on on your judgment and all of that. Lord, thank you. It's been an, a, a pleasure to uh, to teach your people your word, and I trust that the people that have heard these messages and this message tonight that you'll move upon them, dear God, move upon their spirits and draw them unto the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name. And again, if you're out there and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior with a repentant heart, say, Jesus, I receive you. Come into my life. And just that quick, call on the name of the Lord. Your name will go in that Lamb's Book of Life. You'll miss hell, make heaven, and then make the make eternity with God. And man, it'll be great. So, so receive Jesus. And then, hey, let me know about it. You can... I'm easy to get in touch with, real easy. Just go to our website, summitchurch.us, and get in touch with me, and I'll even respond to you. Happy to, okay? Hey, God bless you. We'll pick up uh, Sunday morning. We'll pick up at Summit Church, 10 o'clock, and we'll be we'll be online as well as in person. And uh, and then also next Wednesday, I'll be right here. We'll pick up with, with something else, another subject, okay? Hey, God bless you. And uh, uh, remember, Jesus loves you. He, he really, really, he really does. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.